Okay, folks, let's continue on then. Uh, I, I think you get a sense of, uh, I hope you're getting a sense of what we're dealing with. Uh, that just as in the medical area, you know, when you see people sick and you, when you people, pe see people uh, with ailments, etc., uh, the only way you can see what's happening inside is to take the blood samples or take a biopsy and put it under the microscope and see what's going on, right? But physically speaking, you cannot see what's happening. But you can sense that people are sick or you can sense that people are not doing well. You can sense something is happening to them. The same thing, as I said, in the spiritual realm. Uh, we become spiritual doctors from the perspective that we're able to recognize when the Spirit of the Lord is impressing those uh, electrical impulses and leading people to, to, to motion, to move, to do something. Um, when people are under conviction, they, they uh, don't necessarily always respond in the way you'd like them to respond, as, as uh, already illustrated simply because people don't know what's happening, but because you do, uh, you're able to then help them through that process. And that's, that's the role that we have uh, in dealing with people who are under conviction. Now, um, there are different ways that people respond to conviction, as already stated, uh, but I just want to share with you some statements so you can see that there are different uh, conversion experiences. When people are, are feeling convicted in their lives, uh, conviction is something that's an that's interesting process. Uh, from this perspective, um, if, you, if you notice this statement here, it says, all are not constituted alike. You see that? All right. Then it says, conversions are not all alike. This particular one, Jesus impresses the heart and the sinner is born again to new life. Often souls have been drawn to Christ when there was no what? No violent conviction, no soul rendering, no remorseful terrors. They looked up upon and uplifted the Savior and they lived. All right? They saw the Savior's need, they saw, pardon me, the soul's need, they saw the Savior's sufficiency and His claim. They heard His voice, voice saying what? Follow me. Follow me. All right? And they rose up and followed Him. This conversion was, what does it say? Genuine. And the religious life was just as decided as, as was that of others who suffered all the agony of a violent process. Now, notice it's calling a, a process, right? They go through a violent process. What I've noticed sometimes is that when people ask me to give my testimony, um, as I just did a week ago in Germany, I'm always uh, as careful as I can be because Sometimes there are people who grow up in the church who never had any desire to go out in Fool's Hill or get drunk or smoke or do anything like that. Uh, then they hear my testimony and they think, well, I guess I'm going to have to go out and get lost so I can be found. You understand what I'm saying? The reality is that, that conversions are different. Uh, there are some people who just gradually just grow and grow and grow and grow. And the way you can tell if people are converted is what Jesus says, ye shall know them by their fruits. Amen. Okay? Do you understand what I'm saying? It, it doesn't matter if they had the violent con conversion where they could pinpoint when they were converted or they can't ever remember a pinpoint when they were converted. There are people who just gradually grow up. Let me give you some examples, okay? Biblical examples. Uh, is there any mention in the Bible that Joseph had a dramatic conversion? Any mention in the Bible that Samuel had a dramatic conversion? What about David? What about uh, Isaiah? What about Daniel? Then you come to the New Testament. What about John? Do you understand? All it says about John was that he was a, uh, they were the sons of thunder, right? But is there any mention that there was any conversion, violent conversion, 
that all of a sudden he, he turned around and followed God. No. As soon as he saw the Lord, he saw that the Lord was sufficient for him, and he followed him. Amen. And he continued to follow him until he died. Do you understand what I'm saying? Now, the converse is true about Peter. Peter had a dramatic conversion. Is that true? Yes. yes? What about Paul? Yes. Paul had a dramatic conversion. You see, these guys could remember. They could what? They could remember the moment that they had to turn around. But the sad thing is that there are people in our church who, who may love the Lord. They've always wanted to follow God. They had no desire to go out and be wild and do whatever. But somehow they feel, you know, I've got something missing because I've never had that experience. No, it's by their fruits you shall know them. Okay? Here's the other. This is the guy that looks up and lives. He never had that violent conversion. Look at the other one. The Spirit of God is manifest in different ways upon different men. One under the movies of this power will tremble before what? Before the Word of God. His convictions will be what? It'll be what? Deep. That a hurricane and tumult of feeling seem to rage his heart. And his whole being is what? Prostrate under the convicting power of the truth. When the Lord speaks what? Forgiveness to the repenting soul. He is full of ardor, full of love to God, full of earnestness and energy. And the life-giving spirit which he has received cannot be what? Repressed. Christ is in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. His feelings of love are as deep and ardent as was his what? Distress and agony. Okay? What about Mary Magdalene? Remember Jesus said to the one who's forgiven much, loveth much? Do you remember that? Okay? In other words, obviously there are people who've had a dramatic conversion experience and people who don't have that dramatic conversion experience. So that is why it's important for us to be watching. Uh, uh, you know, when people uh, study long enough a certain process like uh, delivery, uh, if there are any physicians here that deliver babies, uh, you get to the place where you can pretty well tell how far along they are, etc if you've been experienced long enough at that job. Is that true? There's some physicians that get pretty good at that. Uh, fortunately today, for those of you who don't have that, ac that acuity, uh, that we have machines that tell us how far along <laughs> things are. But in the old days, that's not the way it was. Physicians had to kind of get to the place where they could kind of figure out, you know, how to get ready. All right. Now, why watch? Why watch when people are under conviction? Here's the problem that I've seen in a lot of the training that I've, that I've witnessed, and that is that people are being taught how to do methods. Now, methods are okay if you understand how to apply the methods and when to apply the methods. Otherwise, it can be dangerous because you're always applying the same method to everybody, and that may not work. Let me explain what I'm saying. In the old days, we used to teach people how to get Bible studies by... Uh, the 20th century Bible study course. How many of you remember that? All right. And uh, the idea was if you can get somebody to study the 24 lessons, by the time they're finished, they'll ask you where the baptistry is, right? Wrong. Huh? Who said wrong? Me. <laughs> You've had that experience? Okay. Uh, the reality is that we have taught people that the, the equipment or the lesson does the job. We have not taught them how to be observant to see how to cooperate with the Spirit of God so that when we see that the child is ready to be born, we're there to help that child get born. And here's the thing about this whole thing. Conviction can strike at any time. The Spirit of God knows when the person is at the opportune time to, to zap those particular brain waves and get the person to respond. Is that true? Yes or no? Yes. You and I don't know when that is. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. Therefore, it's important to be observant, be watching, because the Spirit of God can convict somebody very quickly. Let me give you my own experience, okay? I was playing with Bill here in the comments, 
by February, we had a contract to go on a world tour. So I went back home, New York City on vacation. During those two weeks of vacation, I, conf I was confronted by two brothers who became Seventh-day Adventists. And by the way, I didn't know what Seventh-day Adventist was. I thought that was the name of some disease. <laughs> really, I never heard it. In fact, when I, when I first met my wife, even though I was an Adventist, I'm a brand new Adventist, and I met her, I took her out to eat, and I took her to a Spanish restaurant, and she looked at the menu, she says, nothing here I can eat. And I looked, I see chicken, and I see fish, fish and all that. I'm thinking to myself, what's wrong with this girl? So I said, uh, oh, I said, uh, what's, what's the matter? She said, I'm a vegetarian. I'd never heard of that, so I thought that was a, some sickness she had. So, so, so I said, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I said, what is that? She said, I've never eaten meat in all my life. I said, what? She said, I've never eaten meat in all my life. Oh, that's what a vegetarian is. <laughs> so I said, uh, okay. So I called over the waiter and talked to him in Spanish. I said, whatever it takes, you get me some food, okay? <laughs> he said, all right. So he brought me some uh, fried plantains and rice and beans, you know, and so forth. So when I met my two brothers and they're talking to me about Adventism, you know, and then when they told me that I was sinning, boy, that flared me up. But uh, this is mid-March. By April 13, I was baptized. I never had a Bible study. But the Spirit of God was convicting me so much. And I, please understand this. When I had that contract, I was going to do a world tour with the Bill Haley and the Commons. Any of you have heard of Bill Haley and the Commons? Rock around the clock, that song, Happy Days. One, two, three o'clock, four o'clock, rock. Okay. Anyway, I was their bass player. I'm going to go and do a world tour and compete against the Beatles. So that was all set up. And I go home, and God completely turns me upside down, knocked me off my high horse. You understand? And I quit show business. Didn't have Bible studies, but I was so convicted about my sinful life, and I wanted to serve God so badly that I just dropped everything. Called him up and told him I wasn't going. And that was it. So, if we had to go by the normal process of you're going to need to take so many studies and all that, I would have never been baptized. But I asked the pastor, I said, look, I promise you that for the rest of my life I'm going to study. I said, I want to put my sins behind and I want to start a new life with God. And he baptized me. He made a judgment call and baptized me. And then a few, <laughs> a few months later, I was in the military. Brand new, spanking new uh, baby in the military. But I kept my promise. I took the seven volumes of the Bible commentary with me in my duffel bag. I don't know if any of you have been in the military. Have you been in the military? You know what, you have to carry that, right? So I took the seven volumes, I took the dictionary because I didn't know how to read. So I had to figure out what those words were. I didn't even know how to say Nebuchadnezzar. I mean, you know, the book of Job. That's, that's how it's spelled, right? I mean, I was completely illiterate, completely illiterate, completely ignorant. Uh, but one thing I had, and that was I was so convicted by God that there was no question for it in my mind that, that now I knew there was a God that was alive and lived. Amen. And when I discovered that, you weren't stopping me. You understand? So when, what happens is that, that when you're dealing with people who are under conviction, you cannot circum circumscribe how the Spirit of God works. Your job is to watch and see if the baby is ready to be born. Your job is not to tell when the baby should be born. Does that make sense to you? Huh? David, does it? All right. So let's, let's look at, at, at this. Notice it says Satan takes what? All advantage of their ignorance and experience. When somebody's under conviction, they don't understand what's going on. There are obstacles that come to their minds of why they can't do it, etc. Objections and all that. You know what I'm saying? 
And the devil just uh, seems to, to intensify these things to such a height that they think it's impossible. It can't be done. I'll give you an example. I was in Guam holding an evangelistic meeting for a week. And uh, I passed out decision cards. And one decision card that I got back, I looked it over. And I noticed that things were checked except one thing, baptism. So I went to visit that businessman, went to his office. And when I got to his office, he was surprised. So we sat together and we chatted. And here's what he said to me. He said, Pastor, if I do what you say, I will have to claim bankruptcy. I said, why? He says, my business is tourism, number one. He says, a, a, a typhoon just came by and destroyed a third of my equipment, which I didn't have insured. He said, uh, I have 13 contracts with all the hotels on the beachfront, and I provide all the beach equipment for them. Uh, he says, and Saturday is my, my biggest day. That's when everybody comes to my beach resort and use the jet skis and what have you, you know, et cetera. Sometimes he has 700 people. Sometimes he has 900 people. You know, I mean, he has buses and all that. And he said, uh, and I'm in debt. He said, so, he said, if I do what you say, so I asked him the question. I said, if you do what I say or if you do what God says? See, the problem is this, guys, that when the devil is working on them, they try to, he tries to get them to shift it upon you. But it's important for you to keep them faced with God. Okay? What did I say? It's important for you to keep them being faced with God. Because it's not you. You're only an agent helping them to what? To connect with the Lord. What do you say? Okay? So I said, if you do what I say or if you do what God says. And I noticed when I said, if you do what God said, he stopped, and I saw a little tear in his eye. So then I asked the next question. I said, Steve, I said, tell me, what's more important to you, your business or your salvation? Okay, he was dealing with all the reasons why he couldn't do it. So he was dealing with logistics, do you understand? But that was not the issue. The issue is salvation. Do you understand? And when people get in arguments with you about logistics, it means that they're under conviction. They're trying to get you off to a different tangent. And it's all right to answer those things, but always remember that you need to bring them back to the real issue. The real issue is, how is your soul with God? That's the real issue. So, when, he's, when uh, I said, uh, which is what's more important to you? He said, my salvation. I said, good. I was waiting to hear, because if he said my business, then, then I had to back off, because this guy is not convicted enough for me to go for the, for the decision on that. Do you understand? Yes or no? Yes. Okay. So I, I back off if I sense that there isn't sufficient conviction. But if I sense it's deep conviction, I go all the way. So I said to him, I said, Steve, then give the business to God. God will take care of it. I don't know how he'll do it, but he will. I said, let me give you some examples. So I gave him an example about my life. I thought, you know, I dropped out of show business, just, that was it. So all of a sudden, I had no job. I, I, I went from being famous and being, you know, making money and, and what have you, to being a nobody, working in a, in a machine shop. You understand what I'm saying? So it's a tremendous, tremendous uh, change. And so I said to him, you know, I thought that when I left show business that I would end up in a dingy factory like an immigrant working there until the Lord came. But I said, it was okay. I said, I finally realized that it was more important to follow God than to do what I wanted to do. And I said, I thought that I would end up in a dingy factory, and here I am preaching the gospel around the world. See, so God had different plans, but we have to learn to trust in him, see? So I gave him my testimony, okay? So I said, what do you think? Now I saw tears running down his face, okay, which meant what? He was deeply convicted, okay? So we knelt and prayed. Remember this, always seal the decision with prayer, okay? 
Once you get that decision, seal the decision with prayer. prayer. Okay. We prayed. I left the island. And two years later, I get this call from this businessman. He said, uh, this is Steve Kasperbauer. You got a minute? I said, yeah. You remember me? I said, of course, Steve. How are you doing? Then he tells me the story. He said, can I tell you what happened? I said, sure. He said, I was scared to death. But I knew you were right. <laughs> so I, he said, I went ahead and got baptized. I said, you did? <laughs> he said, yeah. So I said, what'd you do? He said, I told all my employees. He said, I, I oh, by the way, he gave me another story of why he couldn't do it. He said, I got 100 and something employees. And it would be irresponsible on, me, on my part just to think about myself and not think about all my employees. You know, if I close down my business, they have families, they have children and all that. So those were good reasons, right? Mm -hmm. So I still said to him, <laughs> what's more important? Your salvation? Yeah, all right. So he said, I'll tell you what I did. I got jobs for all the people that I needed to, to let go. I gave all those 13 contracts to my competitors and they were happy. He said, then I told the remaining employees that this is the last time that we'll open up Saturday. And they were angry with me. He said, Friday we shot close business. Sabbath, he said, I was going to church and it was sunny. And he said, I was scared to death that on Sunday we have no, no customers. But he said, when I got, when I was getting close to church, it started pouring. And that was strange because it was a dry season, he said. And he said, Pastor, he said it rained every Sabbath for about seven months. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, Pastor, I paid off all my debts. He said, I paid off about $3 million of my debts. And he said, I just wanted to call you and thank you for visiting me and for helping me to make that decision. Okay, so our role is to watch the moving of the Spirit of God and then to cooperate with that working to help that person yield to the Spirit of God. Does that make sense to you? Rather than watching to see the methodology of following a certain prescribed set of lessons and all that. I believe in Bible studies. In fact, I just am finishing a set of Bible studies that show every doctrine as it relates to Christ Amen. from Eden to Eden. Okay. I believe in Bible studies, but I also believe, more importantly than Bible studies, is that we need to look for transformation rather than uh, dissemination. We need to disseminate information. But if all that we're doing is disseminating information and think that that's the, the basis of people being converted, we're wrong. We need to be connected to the Spirit of God. We need to watch and see if the tree is moving. And if the tree is not moving, we have to ask ourselves, Lord, is it that I'm not presenting things right? Is it that I'm not connected? Or is it that the devil is doing everything possible to block him from getting those impulses so that he can make that decision? And if that's the case, and if I checked and said, okay, I'm okay with the Lord, uh, we're doing things okay, but there's that resistance, then I need to say, get some buddies to pray with me and agonize with God for that person to yield to the Spirit of God. Okay? Do you understand what I'm saying? Do you? Yes. All right. Now, when persons who are under conviction are not brought to make a decision at what? Earliest. The earliest what? Period possible. So, if you know that the baby is about to be born, you don't do anything about it because you don't know when the baby is going to be born. You understand? I mean, when the water, when the water breaks, what do you do? <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? When that time comes, you got to act, all right? So, when persons who are under conviction are not brought to make a decision at the earliest period possible, there's danger that the conviction will what? 
gradually wear away. And please remember this. Without conviction, there's no conversion. Without conversion, there's no salvation. Okay? Here's another statement. It is as much our duty to look at the after interest of a camp meeting. In her day, a camp meeting was an evangelistic meeting. Did you know that? Yes. You didn't. What we call camp meeting today, it, it was really an evangelistic meeting. What would, what would happen is this. They actually had, uh, it was like a military advancement against the city. They had, first of all, the co-porters that would go in. They had Bible workers who would pitch tents outside of the tent, outside of the, the town, okay? They actually literally pitched tents outside the town. Then the co-porters would go in, first of all, the Marines, and they would, you know, bring the books in, all right? After the Marines went in there and found the interest, then the Bible workers would go in and give Bible studies. As that was happening, then the evangelists came in, and then the big guns started firing. That's the, way it, that's the way it was. And that's what was called a camp meeting. Okay? So that's why it says, it is as much our duty to look after the after interest of a camp meeting as it is to look after the present interest. Because the next time you go, if they were what? And what? And did not what? To that conviction, it is what? harder to make an impression on their minds than it was before, and you cannot, what's the next word? Read them again. So how important is it? Is there a critical mass? Yes, yes or no? Yes. Yeah, there's a critical mass. In other words, my friends, when, when you're working with people and you're watching for the evidence of the Spirit of God moving upon them, then you do everything you can to encourage that person to yield. They may not understand what's happening, but you do. And so you encourage them along the way, okay? You hear what I'm saying? All you have to do is just ask questions. And I'll uh, demonstrate that in a minute. Here's another one. When souls that are upon the point of deciding in favor of the truth are thus left to unfavorable influences, they lose their what? Their interest. And it is what? Very rarely that so powerful an impression can again, again be made upon them. Satan is ever seeking some device to call the minister from his field of labor at this critical point that the results of his labors may be what? Be lost. Okay? Are you hearing me? So, this is like, you know, the spiritual aspects is really like the physical aspects. I mean, there's... When a person gets to a certain point in their, in their physical experience, uh, there are certain things that have to happen. If don't, they don't happen, then, then uh, they're in trouble. Uh, and I'm speaking about if they're sick, and if you don't give them the, the transfusion at the right time, if you don't, if you, don't uh, you know, there are certain things that you have to do at the right time uh, that take a person out of the critical stage. If you don't, then that could mean uh, fatality to them. Is that correct? Yes or no? Yes. Yeah. All right. I remember, you know, just recently their report came out now that they're shifting from C CPR to making it just C... No, from ABC to CAB. Is that what you're referring to? No, the CPR. Right. They're leaving out the R or the P, something, something like that I saw. Well, it was ABC instead of... Because a lot of people don't want the, somebody vomiting and mm -hmm. stuff. They don't want to give the mouth breathing. And so they say, you start with the pumping first, first, for the first Well, you know, I, I, what happened was my father-in-law had a heart attack in my home, see? And I was by myself. So I didn't do the, the CPR. Uh, I just did the pumping. I kept them pumping and pumping and pumping and pumping and pumping and pumping until the, about 20 minutes later, the rescue unit came and uh, we saved them. Well, well, what's that? Yeah, I didn't realize that. I just, uh, you know, as a medic, I, I, uh, I was by myself, and my father-in-law was, uh, you know, gasping for air, but he was turning blue already, so I jumped on him and started, I kept on praying. <laughs> About 20 minutes later, the uh, ambulance came and took him, and we saved him. So, uh, there's a critical time. That's the point I'm making. And, and if you don't act at that time, then somebody can go, okay? So... Uh, Hit the iron when it is hot, okay? Hit the iron when it is hot. Now, 
Let me shift uh, uh, just a minute, and then we'll ask some questions, okay? Because we've got plenty of time. Right, Mark? Yes. I'm glad you agree with me. <laughs> okay. Uh, let me just shift to this, and then I'll give you an example here. How much time do we have, Mark? All right. Oh. Okay. Uh, let me let me uh, just deal with misconceptions. Okay. What did I say? Misconceptions. Okay. And then we'll get to some questions. It is the Holy Spirit who's supposed to lead people to a decision, not the human. That true or false? True or false? Read it carefully. It is false. It is what? False. Uh, let, me, let me explain this to you, and that's a misconception. In the Bible, you find constant appeals. What do you find? Constant, constant appeals. When the men in the day of Pentecost said to the, to the uh, disciples, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Mm. What did Peter say? Go home and pray about it. Is that what Peter said? What did he say? Repent ye and be baptized for the remission of your sins. Ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Okay? That was a what? A call to action. A call to what? You're convicted, act upon it. You're convicted, act upon it. Okay? Uh, Joshua, is it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord? Choose you this day whom you will serve. Is that an appeal? Yes or no? Yes. Okay. An appeal to action. Okay? Here's calling for decision. God says to Cain, if thou will do well. All right? Uh, in Exodus, before the, the, uh, the law was given, uh, now, if you will uh, obey my voice, etc. Uh, the blessing and the curses. If you do this, you'll be blessed. If you do that, you'll be cursed. Uh, Elijah, how long halt you between two opinions? For God be God, serve him. Isaiah, speaking about the house of Israel. If they, if they would be faithful, that uh, they would be blessed. Jesus, yet a little while, it's light with you. Walk in the light when you have the light. Let's not to come upon you. Peter, repent you and be baptized. Paul, why tireth thou? Arise and be baptized. Okay. In other words, when, when, when there's an obvious evidence that the Spirit of God is working, then the agent is to act promptly and call people to a decision. Okay. Is that clear? All right. Now, who does this? The Spirit of God or the human agent? Huh? No. Who's doing this? Not the combination. This is the human agent acting, correct? It is to, but I'm not asking who's working together. I'm asking who's doing this. In other words, That's correct. That's correct. I mean, that's why I'm trying to be clear with the question, see? Because sometimes, uh, I remember I was teaching homeschoolers up in Leo Meadows one time, and Leone Meadows one time, and two ladies were pr pretty agitated in the back. I didn't know what they were agitated about. And when I finished, they came up to me and said, who do you think you are? I said, Louis Torres, why? <laughs> and they said, how dare you teach these kids how to do the work of the Holy Spirit? I said, excuse me? I mean, they really believed that I was out of order, that I was teaching these kids to do the role of the Holy Spirit. And I said, no. And they, they left agitated. You know, they were doctor's wives, by the way, from Loma Linda. And uh, I prayed for those ladies because they, they just did not get it. They did not understand. Two months later, one of them called me up and apologized. She said, the problem was in my church, the pastors had never made an appeal. And they, she said, for the first time in years, something, for some reason, our pastor made an appeal. And I was so moved that I went forward. And as I was going forward, I remembered what we told you. And I felt so horrible that I wept. And I just couldn't be at peace until I called you and let you know that I was wrong, how sorry I was. Okay? So many times people don't understand how the Holy Spirit works and what our role is. Our, we cannot convert the individual. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. But we are to lead people to that experience that they can be converted. That makes sense to you? Let me give you some illustration. 
When Cornelius was praying, who appeared to Cornelius? Who appeared to him? The angel. What did the angel say? Go send for this guy named Peter who is lodging down in Joppa, right? And he will tell you what you need to do, correct? Now, let me ask you a question. Couldn't the angel do a better job than Peter? Yes or no? Huh? Let me explain this. Let me explain this to you. Let me explain this to you. The angel could have done a better job in explaining the things of God, but God has not chosen to bypass the human agent. Uh, you take, for example, Paul. Paul gets struck down by who? By the Lord himself. But what did the Lord tell Paul? You go over there, and somebody's going to tell you what you need to know, right? Mm -hmm. Couldn't the Lord explain it better to Paul than Ananias? What's the answer? Yes, yes or no? Yes. yes. Why did God then himself give the burden to Ananias to do it? Be because God wants to use us. I'll tell you why. Because when you and I are being used, okay, as the blessings flow through us to others, it is like the channel of, that receives water upon which both sides are fertilized and there's much growth. In other words, there's a blessing for us as we share with others. And God intends for the blessing to flow through us so that we in turn are blessed. That's why God said to Abraham, I will bless you and you shall be a what? A blessing. Okay. Do you understand? Does that make sense? All right. So, the, the misconception is that it's not for us. People can make decisions on their own without our help. That's true and false. It is true and false. Because you know you have patients who are able to come to their own conclusions. Is that true? Yes or no? And yet you got some patients that just don't get it. Is that correct? I mean, I have a brother who, who was a criminal all his life. And uh, he just didn't get it. <laughs> he, he, uh, he landed in the hospital. Okay, he had an accident. He landed in the hospital. Uh, apparently he breathed some uh, Freon, and, you know, from the car and all that. So when he woke up, he found himself with IVs and all that. Okay, so what does he do? He tears out the IVs and runs out of the hospital. Injured as he was. Why? Because he was so petrified of getting AIDS and he didn't get it. He already had the needles in him. So if he was going to get AIDS, he was going to have it already. You, see? you understand what I'm saying? By that time, it was too late. But he rips out the IVs and runs out of the hospital and decides to take care of his own injuries. Well, he was too injured to take care of his own injuries. Uh, several surgeries later, he's okay. But you understand what I'm saying? Some, some, you have some patients like that. Is that true? Am I uh, supposing that all your patients are pretty sharp? And, uh, okay. So people, when it comes to the spiritual aspects, notice it says, uh, let, me, let me pass this one. As men of spiritual understanding conduct Bible studies with them, what's the next phrase? Telling them how to? To the power of what? Do you see that? So our role is to tell them how to yield to the power of the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense to you? Okay. That they may be fully and firmly established in the truth. The power of God will be revealed. So when I work with people, it's not my job to convert them. It's my job to say, sense that God's Spirit is working on them and to help that person. I'll tell you why. Because when people are under conviction, as I told you, they don't understand what's happening. What takes place is that the devil builds these, these mountains uh, in their minds, that there may not be mountains. Let me, let me uh, illustrate. Before I was a Christian, I thought I was having a lot of fun. Do you understand? And when I was con convicted to leave show business, the thought that came to me was this. If I become a Christian, I won't have any fun. Is that true or false? False. 
How many of you say it's false? False. How many of you say it's true? True. How many of you, you don't want to raise your hand? Okay. <laughs> it's true. Understand this. The only fun that I knew was the worldly fun. I was not acquainted with the godly fun. So if I became a Christian, could I have fun with my understanding? What's the answer? No. So that was true. But that's the way the devil works. He works against us through our ignorance. We don't know God well enough, so therefore we don't know what God will do for us. Consequently, we work based upon our preconceived ideas or our lack of knowledge, and we make decisions based upon what we think are the outcomes, like Steve Kasperauer. You know, man, if I do this, eh, impossible. And by the way, I should tell you that uh, that, that Steve Kasperauer, uh, the Lord is just using him mightily there in Guam. He's, he's become a, a powerful uh, witness. His wife's uh, cousin is a federal judge, a Supreme Court judge for, for Guam. His father was a uh, senator. Uh, his wife's cousin is the attorney general. Uh, in other words, he comes from a high uh, influential family. And they just watch him, and they, they, uh, they're, they're just amazed that, number one, his business, even though he doesn't open up on Saturday, is, is in far better condition than all the other companies that are opening up every Saturday and seven days a week, and they can't figure it out. So God is using that man as a witness to Guam as to what God can do when you trust him. Amen. You understand what I'm saying? So... You, you can't see these things, and especially these people who, who, you know, come under conviction, and they can't figure out how in the world. That's why you, who have the experience, can say, yes, that's true, but let's consider this. Let's see what God can do. Here's what God did here. Here's what God did there. Here's what God did there. And you help them through that mountain that they think is a mountain. And when they see God blessed, they look back and say, man, am I glad you helped me through that. Okay? That's our role. You hear what I'm saying? But if you don't sense conviction, you don't notice conviction, you don't realize what's going on, you're not going to help that person. Especially if it's a negative response, you're going to shy away from that person. You hear what I'm saying? All right. Many are convicted of sin and they feel their need of a sin pardoning Savior, but they are what? Merely dissatisfied with their pursuits. In other words, they're doing okay in life. They recognize that they have, they have a need, but, but their life circumstances does not uh, encourage them to sense a need of really following through. And I've known many people like that. They're quite well off. Things are going well. Just the other day, I was on an airplane flying from Frankfurt to China. And uh, the kid next to me was uh, Garfunkel's uh, son. Remember Simon Garfunkel? So we sat together. And he was a captive audience. I gave him a Bible study in Daniel chapter 2. I gave him a Bible study in the science of the coming. I mean, we, we studied all sorts of things. And, and the kid has two, he's 20 years old, by the way. And he has two casinos. One in uh, Bulgaria and one in Moldavia. So I said, why do you then do that? He said, well, because over there I don't have to have the kind of license that you need back in the States and all that and so forth. And he was going to, to Hong Kong uh, to see if he could start another casino over there. So as I talked to him, it turned out that his nanny was a Seventh-day Adventist. See? And he said, she was a wonderful lady from the West Indies. So he said, you know, he said, uh, maybe I'll give up my casinos. He said, maybe God wants me to do something else. I said, yeah, I think I want you to do something else. <laughs> so, so he gave me his phone number. I got it with me. So I, he said, call me. And so I'm going to be calling him. Because uh, his father is, uh, has quit smoking for 60 days now. He can't sing because his throat has been affected by the smoking. So he's trying to, he's trying to get back uh, to do some more singing. You know, Simon and Garfunkel, remember that? Oh, okay. Yeah. okay. Great voice. Yeah. So anyway, pray for him, will you? Mm-hmm. All right. So we talked and... And he feels convicted. That's the point. He what? Feels convicted. But 
he's living high on the hog, so he doesn't really feel uh, with a need to really surrender, okay? So, uh, and if there's not a what? Application of what? The truth. Truth to? Okay, who makes that silent application? Who does? Who does? Okay. If there is not a decided application of the truth to their hearts, who does that? Hmm? You? Who? No. No. If words are not spoken at the right moment, calling for decision for the weight of evidence already presented, who does that? We do. All right. There you have it. Okay. The convicted ones pass on without what? Then find themselves with Christ, the golden opportunity passes and they have not yielded. They go farther and farther away from the truth, farther away from Jesus, and never take their stand on the Lord's side. So What's that? All right. Yeah, I want to do one-on-one. Yes, sir. Are you the one-on-one or? Yes. Oh. Yeah. I just had a Bible study with two of the technologists that work in our hospital. I work in an Adventist hospital. Uh-huh. By the way, I've been counseled that I should not have Bible studies within the hospital because it presents a legal risk to the hospital because they could be sued because it could be perceived as coercion. Just as a little highlight, an Adventist hospital. But anyway, I did it anyway. I'm still doing it. But I had a study with two of them on Wednesday night, and I talked to them about the Elijah message. How, few, how long Paul eat between two decisions? And they could see there are only two decisions in life. Are you going to follow God or you're going to follow mm-hmm. self? There's only two decisions. And they were convicted, and I could see it in their heart. And I had been impressed that I needed to press that mm-hmm. at that moment. And I failed to do so. I, I got conviction. They were crying. You know, not a lot, but the, it was there, and they saw it. And I talked to them in Malachi 4, where there's, you know, at the end of Malachi 4, where it talks about Elijah, and it turns up the hearts of the fathers to the children, the children of the fathers. And they have some family issues, and they could see that God would help them merge and bring their family in. And I have, I feel like I'm learning a lot sitting here because I'm not going to let that pass again. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. And I, I guess my question to you is, at that point in time, you would, I guess, you know, I, I wrote this down. You know, what would keep you from being an Adventist? I guess that's the, is that the right thing to say? Come over here. Sit over here. <laughs> Best way to give a life illustration, right? Yeah. Uh, first of all, I should tell you, um, in the back of the book, there are reasons why people um, have challenges, spiritual factors affecting decisions, um, social factors affecting decisions. I don't believe I need to attend church. I can worship God at home. Okay? I don't think it is right to leave the church of my childhood. My, my past life condemns me. I'm discouraged because I have been such a great sinner. I plan to join, but I wish to practice for a few weeks before joining to be sure that I can live it. Uh, Have you heard those? uh, Okay. And the responses to them. Okay. Then in the back, uh, there's uh, many, many objections and the Bible verses to respond to those objections. It's always better to bring the objections from the scriptures. Stories are great because they're testimonies of the reality of what God can do. The Word of God is, is powerful, however, because it's like a double-edged sword that it will penetrate and bring about a conviction that you need to, to create, okay? You got that? Yes. All right. Now, I'm going to borrow my Bible, if I may. Well, better yet, since you got a Bible over there, I'll use yours. Okay. Now, uh, Randall... You can call me Randy. Call you what? Randy. He doesn't like Randall. <laughs> I'll call you Randy. Just be careful about doing that in England. <laughs> <laughs> you know, 
it's funny, when I travel around, I, I, I'm always tickled because uh, I get myself in trouble oftentimes. I did. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but you learn, you know, as long as you just brush it off as okay. Um, <laughs> I can tell you many, many experiences. But when you're dealing with, with somebody with, with an objection, uh, as I said, What's important is to find out the, 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 the objection and the, the depth of the objection. Because sometimes people have objections. They're really not objections. They just throw it out there hoping that they could just bluff you and you know, push you off. You understand what I'm saying? So there's sometimes, sometimes that people have a serious objection. And there's sometimes that they're just things like uh, the woman at the well who wanted to, to brush the Lord off and got into religious controversy. You say that... You know, you guys are the ones, but the, what about Jacob's well and all that? You know, Father had been, uh, and Jesus simply said, well, said, salvation is of the Jews, and, uh, you know, the reality is you guys don't know what you worship. I mean, and that's a kind of an insult, isn't it? <laughs> Today, that would not be politically correct, <laughs> right? But it's exactly what the lady needed. And so, try to be as correct as you can, but not politically. Okay, <laughs> all right. Uh, let, me, let me just uh, uh, walk you through a, uh, a process here that I think is important for, for, for you folks to, to see and witness. Okay, let's suppose that I'm dealing with somebody who um, has been attending my meetings. And as they've been attending my meetings, I've watched them respond. I pass out decision cards, they checked off, you know. I want to accept Christ as my personal savior, etc. Uh, don't uh, don't assume that because people check off, I want to accept Christ as my personal savior, that they really know what that means. Because a lot of people really don't know what that means. If they're, especially if they're Catholic, etc., um, or if they've never been uh, a Christian, never had an experience with Christ, uh, they don't understand that. They may check it off because it means I desire to accept Christ as my savior, but that's the desire. That doesn't mean that they actually know what to do, okay? But let's suppose Randy has attended my meetings. I'm just giving you a, 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 um, a, a illustration here as to what to do. Randy needs glasses, which is all right. Now, when you hit 40, is when your arms got shorter? Yeah. Okay. That's right. All right. Now, um, Randy... Um, practices as an MD, which means uh, what? That's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a physician. Physician. And you do what kind of work? Radiology. Radiology. So your expertise is in uh, reading uh, those, those uh, images. Images. Okay. So you know what I was showing up there in the earlier on then. Okay. Now, how long have you been doing that, by the way? Um, 20 years. 20 years. That's pretty good. And uh, you've grown up as a Catholic, as a Baptist, as a... How, uh, you want me to answer truthfully? I grew up... I'm a fifth-generation Seventh-day Adventist. A uh, fifth-generation Seventh-day Adventist. Where, in Washington or...? I um, grew up in California. In California. Where in California? North of Sacramento. North of Sacramento. Up toward... Loomis. Loomis. Okay. Well, my wife is a fifth-generation Adventist. I, I guess I would send her my condolences. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the, the thing about it is that her mother's name was Ham, H-A-M. So, <laughs> so I'll send her your condolences. Indeed. Okay. <laughs> All right. Now, suppose Randy then, uh, I'm getting acquainted with him now. Usually I'm not that... Uh, I'm more serious with the matter. <laughs> but suppose uh, I'm getting acquainted with him, trying to find out where he's from, et cetera, just to, to, to have a bond together. Uh, then when it comes to the card that uh, has, he has filled out, I would just simply say, Randy, you know, a lot of people come to our meetings and fill out these cards, and we're, we're just grateful that you did it. Uh, always affirm the decision to begin with. Always what? Affirm, affirm the decision to begin with, okay. So I'm grateful that you, you, you um, chose to want to follow God. Okay, underscore that. The desire is to follow God. That's why you're here, to lead them to God. Okay. 
But I noticed that you put there, I desire to accept Christ as my personal Savior. Yes. Uh, let, me sh let me share something with you, a text in the Bible that, that uh, uh, gives us a little insight into that. Can you read for me Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20? Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him and he with me. Okay, now notice it says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. knock. Okay, then what else does it say? If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him and he with me. Okay, now notice that I'm having him read it. Okay, I'm not reading it. Do you know why? Because I'm trying to put him face to face with the Lord. Okay, with his word. Okay, you hear me? Okay. Now, the questions then. It says, I stand at the door and knock. If he's knocking, what does that mean? He's outside. He's outside, but he's knocking. He would like to come in. He'd like to come in. Okay, so he's outside with a desire to come in. Okay, now, Randy, when I came to your door and knocked, and you said, who's there? And I said, Pastor Torres. Okay, all right, now you know I'm outside, correct? The fact that I'm outside, does that mean I can get in? No. Why not? Because uh, I locked the door. Okay, the door is locked. Okay. So, just a recognition that God exists is not enough. There are a lot of people who believe that there's a God. You, you know, uh, the, as we heard last night, there's 95% uh, of Americans believe that there's a God. But it's not enough just to know that there's a God. If I'm going to get in through the door, what must you do with that door? You're going to have to open it up. You have to open it up. Now, once you open it up, that means I can walk through. Yes. I can. I have to invite you in. Ah, but I've just asked, if you open the door, does that mean I can walk through? No. No, okay. Why not? Well, because you're polite. Okay, because I'm polite. That's correct. But also because you have not yet invited, invited me in. Okay. So, there are a lot of people who open their doors as well, symbolically speaking. There are people who have a desire. They not only believe that there's a God out there, but they think, oh, I wish I could know God. I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish. You understand? But having desires, again, is not... Not enough. Not enough. Okay. So you must not only recognize that I'm there, you must not only open the door, what must you do if I'm going to come in? Invite you. You must invite me. Okay. So here's the question, Randy. If Jesus is actually going to live in your life, what must you do? I have to invite him into my heart. You have to invite him into your heart. That's right. Okay. So what I'm doing with Randy is, is walking him through the process of understanding what his role is in relationship to having a relationship with Christ. Okay. Now, you may think, you know, he, he's an adult. He should figure that out. He's a doctor. I can tell you I've dealt with presidents of countries, I've dealt with kings, I've dealt with all sorts of people, and it doesn't matter the level of intelligence that they have. When it comes to spiritual matters, they don't understand what their role is. So it is up to us to walk them through the process so that they understand what they need to do. I mean, that's what you would want to do in your medical practice anyway when you're dealing with somebody who has a physical problem, correct? You're going to walk them through the process. You've got to do this, you've got to do that, correct? Right. Okay. So if Randy says, you have to invite him in, then I have to ask him the question, is there anything, Randy, that would keep you from inviting the Lord into your life? No. Okay, you understand? Yes. Okay. I'm not telling you to do it. Rather, I am explaining to you what you need to do and then giving you the opportunity to choose. But I'm giving you that choice. Is there anything that would keep you from accepting them? Now, I was dealing with a lady who was uh, uh, 73 years old. She was a Baptist, and she was teaching Sunday school in the Baptist church. She was attending my meetings, okay? So I go to visit her because it, it so happened that one of my former students had stayed with her and they had studied together. So I asked her, I said, how are you enjoying the meetings? Oh, I love them. 
Are you learning anything new? Oh, yeah. So I said, what do you think about the Sabbath? He said, she said, it, it's God today. I said, well, are you keeping it? She said, well, yes. I said, wonderful. So which church are you going to? He said, oh, I'm not going to church on Saturday. I said, you're not, you're not. She said, no, I'm going to church, to my church on Sunday. So I said, uh, wonderful. And uh, are you keeping the Sabbath there? She said, well, not really. Uh, but what I'm trying to do is, I want to teach my kids the truth about the Sabbath. <laughs> so I said, I'm sorry to hear that. She said, excuse me? I said, do you realize what you're doing? She said, yeah, I'm teaching them the Sabbath. I said, no. I understand you're trying to do that, but have you thought about this? Did Jesus only lead by teaching or by example? Which one? She said, by example. I said, so if you are going to church on a Sunday and you're t teaching those kids about the Sabbath and you're not keeping the Sabbath, what are you teaching these kids? That it's all right to know, but not to obey. Do you think Jesus would want you to continue to do that? And all of a sudden, I saw a tear in her eyes. She says, I didn't realize that. I said, so how are the parents responding to you? Oh, they're taking the kids out of my, Sabbath, my Sunday school class. So I said, sister, I said, uh, does the Lord want you to obey his commandments? She said, yes. So can you do it in the Sunday church or must you do it in the Sabbath keeping church? She said, Sabbath keeping church. What would keep you then from obeying God? Okay, do you understand what I'm doing? I'm finding the objection, dealing with the objection, and then coming back to the decision. Does that make sense to you? Okay? 30 seconds. 30 seconds, okay. Cool. You got that? Yes. Okay. And so, uh, what's important is to not tell them, do you want to be an Adventist? No. You walk them through to come to the conclusion as to what is truth, and then you present to them the opportunity. Okay? Does that make sense to you? Yes. Does that help you? Thank you. You're welcome. Okay. 30 seconds to finish, sir. Well, there's much more that, that you know, I, I could uh, share with you, but uh, time is up. By the way, we do have a three-week course at Mission College uh, for those physicians. You know Roger Tuma? Roger and Grace, there's Gracie over there. They came to Mission College for three weeks. Uh, was it three weeks that you came? And once uh, they came there, just turned on. Huh? Yeah, it turned out to be a wonderful thing. Roger has never been the same. She, uh, now she's preaching and doing all sorts of things. So you're welcome to come. All right, questions? What's the next one? What's the next three uh, in the, in the, uh, I'll have to give you the dates. Yes. There's a question here. I had an individual that was the next door neighbor to some folks that I'm studying with. And so he came over one time when I was doing Bible studies. And he joined in participating in Bible studies. About a month later, he came to church with him, and which was last Sabbath. When I made the call, he came forward. Now, I studied with him on Monday, gone, and then after my study with him, then he came over to the other study, which just happened to be about the Sabbath. Now, he was wondering, or his objection was, I keep the Sabbath, but I don't. But I worship on Sunday, and I, I mean, I don't. I shouldn't have to worship on Sabbath. You know, because, you know, I mean, that, that is not important anymore. Okay. <clears throat> the, uh, the question is, there's a person who's attended my church. He, he responded to one of my calls. Uh, I visited with him, and uh, he doesn't feel like he needs to keep the Sabbath because it's not... He said he's keeping the Sabbath. He keeps the Sabbath in his church. He just don't feel like he needs to go to church on yeah, Sabbath. He, he can go to church on Sabbath. Okay. And that's the objection, okay? How do you deal with that objection? If I were dealing with him, I would first want to find out from him uh, what is his, his, uh, 
how he feels about the scriptures. Because many times people believe more in feeling than they believe in the scriptures. And I don't know if this person is a person that yields more to feeling than to a dusty of the Lord. So how does he relate to the scriptures? So I would say, uh, well, Bob or John or whatever his name is, um, you know, I understand your desire to stay in the church, etc. How do you feel about the Bible? And uh, do you believe that, that it's really the Word of God? Okay. And I'm listening to him to see what he says. Now, if he's smart enough, he's, he's, he recognizes that I'm trying, to, I'm trying to corner him. Okay. So he may try to squeeze out, oh yeah, I believe it's the Word of God. So then I have to ask him the next question. Uh, what does Jesus say about following the light that God reveals to you? Can I show you in the scriptures? All right, John chapter 12. What does it say? Walk in the light while you have the light, lest darkness come upon thee. Okay, so I turn him to the scriptures and I ask him the question then. Uh, what is God saying to you here? And I'm listening. If he says, well, he's saying that I should walk in the light. He said, what light has God given you? Is the Sabbath actually something that is still present today? Now I'm trying to find out how sincere he is. He, he really doesn't believe it is. If he did, then he would have a different song. Okay? But the fact he has that song, it means that there's something that's keeping him back, whether it be his position or something else that's keeping him back. And what you have to do is get down to the bottom, the core of the, of the situation. So you have to ask enough questions to, to ascertain where he is. This man is not really under conviction then, is he? And that's what I'm trying to find out. See, I'm trying to find out if he's really under conviction. Because if he's under conviction, he would see himself as a sinner in that point. If he's not under conviction, then he is just intellectually accepting that the Sabbath is the correct day. And there's a difference between somebody who sees himself sinning because they're not keeping God's commandment, or somebody who sees themselves as just saying, yeah, I, I understand that Saturday is the right day. This media was produced by Audioverse for Amen, Adventist Medical Evangelism Network. If you would like to learn more about Amen, please visit www.amensda.org. Or if you would like to listen to more free online sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.